Welcome to the Everyday Advocate Podcast, where we sit down and talk about empowered leadership and healthy relationships as we work in the field of human trafficking and how you can grow as a mentor and leader wherever you are today. This episode talks about human trafficking and shares details that are for mature audiences. Please be advised. Welcome back. This is Audrey. And this is Jess. And Jess is actually sitting across from me with that beach ball again. And at first she was kind of looking at me like she's going to throw it right at my head. <laughs> but we're going to do the same thing we did last week. Yeah, um, we got gonna, some questions. Yeah, toss the beach ball and, and land on a question and we'll answer that question. But before we do, speaking of last week when we were answering questions, oh, yeah. we talked about TV shows. Mm-hmm. And last night was the very last Ted Lasso Aww, Ted episode. Lasso. We kind of already had a little... A little, I was going to say pity party. It's not a pity party, not but a, we're just like, oh, and our heart's sad that Ted so, Lasso is yeah, done. Yeah. Such a great sad. show. It was such a good, good TV series with never letting you down. I just love that about no, them. The so, Lasso way. So many good like life parallels, spiritual yeah. parallels. I want to be a little really bit great. more like Ted Lasso. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Okay. But All we're right. going to, we're going to start with a new question. I'm going to throw it to you. Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. I don't know. My hand didn't land on anything at all. Oh my goodness, that's the same question from last week. Okay. <laughs> my least favorite chore is the mm. question. Oh man. My least favorite chore, truthfully, is unloading and reloading the dishwasher. Mm-hmm. I just, it's so simple. Mm-hmm. That sounds so silly. But for whatever reason, I think I'd actually, I mean, I don't prefer to like wash dishes by hand either, but sometimes I do just like mm. want to get them done. And so I just do them by hand. Cause then when they, when I load them in, this is maybe way deep, maybe more deep than it needs to be. But when I load them and unload them, I feel like it just, they just end up sitting there cause they're just, it's just too many. Mm-hmm. It's too much to deal with. <laughs> There's probably a parallel to my life in there somewhere, but we don't need to get into that. Yeah. All right, here you go. Dishwasher. <laughs> Mine is, oh, it's upside down. Movie you could quote or never get tired of watching. Oh, well, people who know me well know that this is White Christmas. White Christmas? Really? It's my favorite movie. Of all time. All time. Watch it. It's like the first thing that I do to get in the Christmas spirit. I can quote the whole thing, sing all the songs. Let's, let's hear it. No, <laughs> you like almost started. I'm ready. Are you ready? <laughs> well, actually, in, in show choir in high school, this is a really fun little tidbit. My cousin is actually Chad's age, so she was three years older than me. We were in show choir together, and we did the sisters routine one time for one of our shows. That's and amazing. Anyways, grew up loving that movie, and so I can definitely quote it, and I never get tired of watching it. So any, be, uh, any other white Christmas fans out there? You'd be so holler. disappointed in me. Have you never seen I've it? I've seen it one time. Okay. At least once, but I but I can't like recall a scene. Unfortunately, mm. I'm sorry. It's just my favorite. I, I'll watch it this next Christmas for you. We should have like an allies oh, Christmas so party and yeah. watch it. Let's do it. I like that idea. So good. Well, I'm glad that we started. Oh, there it goes. It fell. <laughs> I'm glad we started with the beach ball today yeah. because we have a pretty. I mean, a pretty heavy. And I guess it's pretty heavy conversation yeah. today yeah. as we're entering into this series on. Or in week two, is that right? Of this series on Christian leadership. Yeah. What it means to lead as Christians and some of the like issues that come up when we try to navigate leading as Christians. And so today we're talking about church hurt 
there are so many people that have experienced pain from the church. Mm. And so when we talk about church hurt, whether that be like a, you know, human to human church hurt or systemic big, big picture church yeah. has, has failed or hurt in a way. A lot of people are, have experienced that and are walking around with a lot of, I guess, baggage mm-hmm. or, you know, yeah. pain from what they've experienced inside what we would you know consider the institutional church. And so as people who are part of the faith community and part of Christian church and want to advocate for it well and represent Jesus well, how do we, how do we navigate that? And so we got to dive into that a little bit today. Yeah, we, yeah. And I, I think the other thing with that is when we think about church hurt and our guest on the podcast today, he gets into this a little bit to kind of defining it for us. But I do think kind of what you were saying that like church being the people that make up the church or the church, like body as a whole, mm-hmm. like system systematically. So, but I think it is an important conversation to have. And so we had Barry Rager on, who's the pastor of new circle church. And when we kind of were thinking about this topic specifically, he came to my mind personally, and, and I think we agreed that he would be a great guest to have on. And I hope you all find that he was the great guest to have on because he really does lead the church that I also happen to be a part of just with a lot of humility and a lot of transparency. And I think when it comes to leading the church well, especially those who have experienced church hurt, who are inevitably inevitably in our churches and in our workplaces and everywhere we're interacting with that posture. I think he just does that really well. And so I was excited to be able to have him on to really unpack how to do that. What does that look like practically and how can we just show up as leaders? And, and he's just a fun person to sit next to as well. He is a whole person and not just Mm -hmm. a pastor who has this experience, but yeah, he's just a, he's a fun friend as well. I like when we first asked him, he was like, Oh, I'm not an expert in this, you know, yeah. and which I'm, I'm glad too, because none of us are experts in how yeah. to have these conversations where every day, Oh, guess what? Everyday advocates, Ooh, there it is. everyday people <laughs> who are just trying to, to do our best to lead and to mentor and yeah. to, you know, for us represent Jesus. And so I, I think it's wonderful to have someone who's trying to figure it out as yeah. he goes as well, yeah. just like we all are. And so I think there are some really good takeaways for people who are part of a church and interact with people who have maybe experienced some pain mm-hmm. and just how to move forward with them in, in an authentic way to help kind of repair and rebuild some, some broken relationships. All right. Well, we're sitting here today with Pastor Barry Rager, and I'm Audrey, by the way, and Jessica's also sitting here across from us, and we're just super excited to chat with you today. But before we get into our topic, I would love to just have you share with the listeners and and us about yourself. Who are you? What do you do for fun? What's your profession? I mean, I guess I kind of gave it away, but tell us more. (laughs) All right. So my name is Barry Rager. I am the pastor of New Circle Church in the Mapleton Fall Creek neighborhood of Indianapolis. I've been married to my wife, Amy, for 18 years. We have four kids, Jonas, Titus, Fable, and Justice. Make sure I get them all in there. <laughs> and yeah, so I'm, I'm excited about seeing things renewed 
and renewal come. And so we work to see that in our neighborhood and then in the lives of individuals. But for fun, I like to travel when I can. I like to read on my front porch, preferably. And I like to run for health and just mental health and podcast listening time and all that good stuff. And okay, I also love to run. And I think it's fun that a uh, fun fact about you that I know is that you have run at least one marathon. Is there any more marathons in your future? Possibly. Okay. So my wife recently just graduated from with her master's degree in mental health counseling. And so she said that I was not able to do any more marathons while she was in school. <laughs> so she graduated two weeks ago. So possibly one this fall, okay. but I am not I have not fully decided if I want to embark on that yet because it is so much work. I was going to say, if it's in the fall, you probably have to start training soon. In two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. July. Yeah. Or June, mid June, July. So the decision has to come soon. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So fun. And what are you reading currently? Currently, I am going through a book called Prayer of the Hours. And so it is a Jesuit book and it has prayers for the morning, afternoon, and evening to help you kind of continually keep your mind set upon cool. God. So I'm, I'm going through that one for the third time. I'm reading Seeds of Contemplation by Thomas Merton. Mm. He was a, a monk in Kentucky, but then did a lot of social activism and was just involved in a whole lot of things. And so I'm reading reading that as well. And right now, about halfway through the Gospel of John. Okay. So fun. So you're one of those people that can read multiple books at a time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I used to just stick with one, uh-huh. and now I have multiple. I'm uh-huh. also like halfway through Annie Dillard's Pilgrim on Tinker Creek. Okay. Tinker Creek. And she just like goes super in depth on like frogs and nature. And it's, <laughs> it's kind of slow and hard for me. And then I'm reading a few, a few other books, but just kind of just okay, started So when you those. say you like to read, like you're, you're reading I have, a lot. <laughs> yes. In the last, so I was on, the church gave me a sabbatical last year and I started reading a lot more then and it hasn't stopped. Mm. So that's been really, really good. Just finished Sojourner Truth's biography. Oh, wow. That was really cool. It was, wasn't her whole biography. It ended like 20 years before she lived, but I was part of this book club. So I just finished up with that and it's, it's been fun. That's great. Yeah. Man, I haven't had... I haven't taken time to be a reader like I was pre-kids or pre-marriage even. I used to read a lot, but well, I was definitely like a one-book person. I could only focus on one. And my kids are, the youngest two are 13, okay. and the oldest two will be 16 this summer. Ooh. So it time-wise is, is different now. Yeah. Like I can sit and read on the porch. I did last night. I sat and read, and like my daughter's sitting beside me reading, mm-hmm. and my son's watching TikTok. <laughs> and uh, with headphones in beside not her. distracting at no, all okay no. he has the headphones in. <laughs> that's, that's awesome well also and just another question we ask every guest this question on the podcast but what is encouraging you lately so the thing that encouraged me lately was actually what i just mentioned oh. of like sitting with my kids yeah. on the porch mm-hmm. um, so summer just started for us as far as the kids being out of school and mm-hmm. it's just kind of chaos managed as best we can and there's been a lot of fighting and fussing between them and yesterday was like fantastic mm. it was like everybody got along my wife was able to take them to a park oh, and between nice. a break in her schedule they hung out and i was like did anyone try to you know destroy one another and and she's like no they did great oh, wow. we all sat last night and like i said at a, around a table and my twins are usually the two that fight with each other the most and they were great with each other and 
yeah, it was, it was fantastic. Like good moments with all of my kids individually yesterday. And so that is something that is very encouraging to experience. If only you could bottle that up. I know. For times that you need it in the future. I know. I just Whatever try to remember was. it. Like yes. yeah. Hold it in your heart yes. for other moments. Yes. Because it does not often happen. That's funny. <laughs> it's been fun to to hear a little bit more about you. I, I, obviously, you're Audrey's pastor, so mm-hmm. she knows you very well. And I've only known you really as our landlord. And I feel like that's a harsh term for what you are <laughs> for us. But we, we office in your church building. And so we've known, we've had a relationship with you for many years, but I haven't known you personally, really. It's Mm -hmm. been more of a, I don't know, profession in a professional setting. So I'm actually really excited to have another conversation with you today. And sorry, we brought you in for a topic that's so heavy and serious. (laughs) Maybe next time we can have you on for a, a more, a lighter topic, but we wanted to as we're in this series on Christian leadership and what it means to live as Christians and lead in that space, we just acknowledge that we're constantly interacting with people who've had negative experiences with the church and our culture is so polarized and there's so much misinformation about the church and also obviously times where the church has really hurt people and there's just there's so much to wade through as christian leaders and so we wanted to just kind of broach that topic with you today and kind of talk about the elephant in the room mm-hmm. honestly sometimes sometimes we don't really acknowledge it and so i feel like we couldn't you know we were talking about we can't really talk about living as christian leaders and not acknowledge that there has been some pain and there's like some undoing and you know work that needs to be done to build those, you know, that trust and relationship again. And so thank you for being willing to wade into that conversation with us today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> uh, and so I guess just to start out, when we talk about church hurt, what does that mean? There's probably a lot of different layers, a lot of different angles we could come at. So I just want to kind of hear from you. When we say church hurt, what does that mean? Yeah, I would just like easily or simply define it as just pain that people have experienced in the context of the church or through the people who make up the church. Mm. So something, you know, whether it be spiritual, emotional, physical, sexual, some way that they have been, that that their autonomy has been affected. Mm. And so when, so we talked a little bit in kind of preparation for this. So there's church hurt people to people, and then there could be kind of systemic too. Can you talk to those two different kinds, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that you see it sometimes systemically within like church structures that are set up to heavily protect leadership Mm -hmm. or church structures that have multiple layers of leadership or multiple layers of secrecy or governance that doesn't allow people to bring accusations or to address Mm -hmm. issues that have come up. So there are systemic issues. And then there are times when the brokenness of individuals pours out into the brokenness of other people or it pours out into other people and causes brokenness in their lives. Mm -hmm. And and I don't say brokenness as a way to diminish, but, but I guess what you always like hurt people, hurt people. And so, yeah, those things don't happen in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes people who do abuse or people who, who do things like that have been, have experienced that themselves. Mm -hmm. I think there's almost a misconception about what the church is in like an ideal I, I, ideal state where we feel like the church is supposed to be, I'm using air quotes, like supposed mm-hmm. to be this place that's safe and perfect and everyone's like Jesus. And so we can go there mm-hmm. and, but we are all humans. Humans make up the church no matter how perfect God is. And so 
I feel like there's almost a shattered expectation too about how the church should interact with us. Yeah, yeah. And I think I don't I don't know where we get that necessarily. I don't know you know where society. I think sometimes the think? church has constructed that <laughs> yeah. itself. Itself, yeah. The church has put itself up as higher or better. Mm. A lot of times you will see a lot of pride and ego mm. and narcissism expressed by churches, either individually or systemically, mm. but just as a place where you can come and have all your needs met. Yeah. It's like what, Pedro and Napoleon Dynamite will help your wildest <laughs> dreams come true. But that is, that's false. Yeah. And no one is perfect within the church. And oftentimes we try to, you know, wear your Sunday best, things like that. We try to look the best. We try to look the part, but we cannot, we can't pull it off. Mm-hmm. It is not possible for us to do that. Yeah. I think I just, as you guys were both kind of sharing those, those perspectives, I think like we do like as Christians, like want to pursue holiness, we want to look like Jesus, but we're go- going to fall short. We're going to continually you know, fall in sin and there is grace for that. And I think to what you were saying, Barry, just even, I, right? Like if people were, if more Christians, especially Christian leaders leading the way kind of would be more transparent in their own, in their own brokenness, I, I do feel like the, it would just be a more accurate picture of like, yeah, we are striving for holiness. We're called, you know, we follow a holy God. We love a holy God, but we're also broken and Mm -hmm. we live in a fallen world and so we are going to sin and and not trying to be polished and put on our sunday best i just feel like that could do a lot to like minimize some of the hurt that's Mm -hmm. experienced by this false expectation because i do think that even church hurt that i've seen in my my own life or in friends like has come from that kind of like misconception of and then looking like you know showing up and not having it all together and then just Mm -hmm. that like is a small way to feel hurt by christians you know in the church so i just that kind of came to my mind whenever Mm -hmm. you guys were sharing that but i do feel like it's yeah we are called to pursue holiness but we're also yeah not perfect and i think it's important for the leadership of the Mm -hmm. church to show their imperfections Mm -hmm. to maybe speak about their trauma to to share those stories to, to mirror that for the church, to model that for them. But it's also really hard to do that because times where I've done that or times where I know other people have done that, that will oftentimes get weaponized. Like we've had yeah. people leave our church because of stuff that I've shared that I struggle with mm. from the pulpit. Yeah, thinking and like, oh, a pastor shouldn't struggle with that. Is that, that is the kind of the attitude? Yeah, yeah if, if, you, if you struggle with this, then you, you know, and like my, the, the thing that I was talking about was struggling with faith. Like mm-hmm. sometimes I will go, man, God is, you know, amazing and awesome and Christ and the spirit. And then sometimes I'll have intrusive thoughts that go, is this real? Mm-hmm. Is this actually legit? And then it used to be much more prevalent in the past as, and it's not been as bad recently, but just shared that one Sunday that, man, mm-hmm. sometimes I really struggle with faith and we had a family leave because of, mm-hmm. because of that. And that's hard. Yeah. That's, it makes you not want to yeah, be you vulnerable just want or to, transparent. You want to cover up those things and hide mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And that is oftentimes what people want to do with trauma. Mm-hmm. And that is the the opposite reaction that we are supposed to have. Mm-hmm. So, wow. yeah. I, I will say, personally, one of the things that I have loved about our church, our new circle, is the transparency experience, not only by you as the lead pastor, but all of the pastoral staff. And then the people that I've interacted with and become friends with, it's just, there is a spirit of transparency 
and we're not perfect at it by any means, but I, I do appreciate it. So I know it, here's my encouragement to you. Keep doing it, please. <laughs> because it does make it feel like when I have those thoughts of, you know, those intrusive thoughts too, it feels like I have permission to have those thoughts. Mm-hmm. Like when our pastors are, are also struggling with those things. And I think again, if we were more transparent about those things across the board in, in Christian books or Christian songs or movies or any, you know, any mm-hmm. space where there's a leader sharing, I think it's, it's helpful yeah. to give that permission. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of that goes to the heart of what we're talking about today mm-hmm. is because if you don't have, if, if it's, if the church is not seen as a safe place where you can bring your junk mm-hmm. or to bring the stuff you struggle with or to bring the, as people who can, you can entrust with hearing the hard and difficult stories of what's happened to you. If, if they don't feel like you can, if you, if folks don't feel like they can trust the church with that information, they're not going to share that information. Mm-hmm. And we should be the people that they feel like they can share that information with. We should be a safe place for yeah. people, but the church is not often viewed as a safe place and rightly so mm-hmm. in a lot of regards. So what do we do about that as Christian leaders? Like that's such a big question. Yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. so many layers, but I do think there's a responsibility mm-hmm. for people who are in the church and recognize this and want to do better and do differently what what can we do so i think that there is the aspect of you know leaders sharing their own stories mm-hmm. or leaders empowering other people within the church to share their stories mm-hmm. uh, so providing space and time for that in gatherings or different ways throughout the week just to make sure that those things are heard and not in a a way of of exploiting yourself or exploiting those who have struggled always it should be it should not be the pastor or someone else sharing the story of the person mm-hmm. who's suffered trauma, it should be them doing it mm-hmm. upon their own willingness to do that and readiness to do that. So I think we need to, to, to mirror that or model that for people and show them that we can share those stories and we can do those things. I think that it's important for church leaders to create an environment that does feel safe physically, spiritually, emotionally, mm-hmm. to be able to share those stories, to be able to reveal the trauma that's happened. I think that I think that oftentimes in ministry we're way too busy, and so um, we need to be much more unhurried. Eugene Peterson often talks about being an unhurried presence, mm-hmm. and so I think that that just means a ton mm-hmm. because when you're sitting down with somebody who has been through trauma, they speak slowly, mm-hmm. they speak broken. It is it's some it's it's painful to watch like you want to go across to them and just help them get the words out but when they're they're sitting there speaking these things as they're processing through them and so i try not to schedule meetings back to back to back i try to provide space because i don't want to rush out on somebody because you know hey well you've got 45 minutes you have 50 minutes and i've got to go to the next person (laughs) like i'll if if i know it's going to be something heavy like block two to three hours yeah and that sounds really crazy from like a scheduling standpoint, but like I want to like a lot of people who have been hurt by the church feel abandoned by the church. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the people who feel abandoned by the church see the church by proxy as like Jesus or the spirit or God. So they feel abandoned by God or Mm -hmm. Christ or the spirit. And so being a representative of the church, whether you're a pastor or a church leader or just a a member of the church, but just giving somebody your presence, and saying, hey, like, I'm here, mm-hmm. and I'm going to, like, journey with you through this is a way that we can be, like, the hands and feet of Christ mm-hmm. 
in that Mm -hmm. and, and modeling for them and showing them what is actually like spiritually taking place that Christ has never left them. He's never abandoned them. He's always present with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so just, just showing them that mm-hmm. I think that providing them the space and the time to heal and walking with them over a long period of time, it's not going to be one meeting or two meetings. It could be several, several meetings and then seeking to do what you can to understand the things that they're talking about, whether it's sexual assault or cultural, historical issues, systemic issues, racism, oppression, things that have happened culturally, mm-hmm. just doing your best to, to understand those things so you can seek to, to be as knowledgeable, to empathize as well as possible, even though you can't fully know the experience of that other person, mm-hmm. seek to do all that you can in order to. So I guess all of that would be just creating a safe place or an environment where those people can express those things, where they feel like someone would even listen to them yeah. in that part of creating a safe space you mentioned is being present, giving them time. Like what other things, like as you were talking, I was thinking, but we can't enter into that space being defensive and trying to defend the church either. So like, what are some other kind of practical as we're creating this space and trying to be present with people? What are some other postures that might be important? Okay. I think that honesty. And so when you say like protect or whatever the church, like, man, if the church is really done somebody wrong being like yeah, that sucks mm-hmm. i can't believe yeah. that happened to you just calling it out what mm-hmm. it is and if evil has been perpetrated on somebody from a church member or by the church calling it evil mm-hmm. uh, i think that they're like when i read scripture like there's so many crazy things in scriptures or so many things that i see as inconsistent or incongruent like what does that mean but like, as I think about that, I was like, man, if I was God, I would not have put that in there. Or if I was Peter, like I would be ticked that some of these stories, but like, like I'm not God's PR person. And so like, it's, I can just be honest and call those things out and then try to provide through our church or through my own personal ministry or friendship, a place for, place for the healing. And so, yeah, I think that we can. I guess, does that answer what you're asking? Yeah, I just was thinking it's more than just creating the space. It's like being honest, Mm -hmm. not being defensive, Mm -hmm. kind of entering into, I was just thinking through, even in our mentor training, we talk about how do we, how do you show up with empathy? And it's more than just physically being there. Mm -hmm. You have to like be in the right mindset to put yourself in their shoes and truly empathize and not try Mm -hmm. to fix and not try to have answers and... But I think it's like really, we were just talking about this, Jessica, yesterday, but like being relationship forward, like, Mm -hmm. like putting the relationship like first, like putting their humanity first and, and seeing them as a a whole person to where you can, rather than thinking like about theology or like where they've gone wrong or how they've contributed potentially to their own, you know, like the hurt or, you know, like right thinking through, well, you shouldn't have done this, right. That's blaming nature. Like we don't do that. Like, and, but so I think like seeing a person as a, as a person first and, and honoring them and just respecting them. Cause as you were talking, Barry, I was thinking like, okay, creating a space, but like, what does that look like? But then you did go into just like slowing down. And I think I, I was just having a conversation with one of our other employees just like two days ago about not packing schedules so much so we can be more present with people and sit with people and not had to rush out on them. And, but I think that almost in and of itself allows like the, the space to be inviting or welcome. I mean, obviously you don't want to just like have like, you know, crossed arms and just stare at them blankly as they're, you know, that's not a cozy space either. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think 
I, and I love the, the book Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. I feel like that's, I don't know if you've read it, but it's yeah. a good one as far as like living that like unhurried life. And so, but yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. And I think that the, the mentality of having to fix someone, mm-hmm. that is something that I try not to do. Yeah. And I think that is frustrating to people because oftentimes when you go to a pastor or you go to someone who's a, <laughs> in quotes, professional, mm-hmm. uh, you want to get fixed. Yeah. You want to feel better. And like my purpose is to point them to Jesus mm-hmm. and is to help them like walk in the spirit. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times whenever they're sitting there without the words, I'm literally just silently praying for them, mm-hmm. uh, that that God would be with them, that they would feel his presence, that the spirit would minister to them in that moment. And then as they're talking, sitting there and, and listening with them and trying to encourage them spiritually, because that's, that's my lane, that's, mm-hmm. my, that's my role. And so encouraging them spiritually and then always ending with a time of prayer for them to kind of help them know that there is a God who loves them and cares for them and that they can trust. Mm-hmm. I think that's practical for any of us, mm-hmm. like what you just laid out. Like that is your job as a pastor and you probably do it often, but as a Christian person and leader... That's something that we can practically do. Just sit with them, mm-hmm. pray yeah. for them when we don't have the words, remind them of who God is and what we know is true. I feel like those are really good practical just takeaways too, mm-hmm. knowing that we don't have to have like the right Bible verse and you know have all of the answers and and know exactly what to say. But I think, like you were saying, it's a long it's the long stretch. It's right. not something that a quick fix. When you mm-hmm. were talking about story. I also was thinking it's helpful when it's one-on-one, but it's also helpful as a larger community. I know there have been a couple times in our small church that where someone has shared something difficult that's happened or hurt or some kind of testimony, and then to watch the community come around them makes it to where the next person is a little bit easier for them mm-hmm. to share, mm-hmm. right? And so it's it's almost equally as helpful when it's done communally so that we can see how the church reacts in a positive or different way. Right. So I feel like there's, I just was thinking about the difference between, you know, church hurt and as individuals, but then as a community. And and I think that is really the way forward is when you do find a safe community to be part of and someone does take a risk to share or does take a risk to, you know, ask for help or prayer or whatever it is when you're watching and you see, a positive outcome or positive support, then you think, okay, well, maybe next time I can do the same thing. Mm-hmm. But that's a long, that's a long game. Right. Yeah. Also going back to kind of what you were saying about, so both of you kind of like are speaking to this, but when we do enter into those spaces, so like you see somebody, you know, take that like step of faith and the vulnerability and the church comes around them or as a pastor, just having people probably consistently coming to you, like you're not a therapist, right? Like you're not there again to, it's not your posture is not to fix them, but you are there to point them to Jesus. But also that when, especially with church hurt, there can be like we have mentioned, there's a scale of like the level of hurt that's been experienced by the church. So hearing story after story and, and, and that compounding trauma that you're experiencing, uh, second, second hand, how do you, or how do we as church members take care of ourselves? Like to, to be able to continue to pour into our community and show up for them rather than saying, well, that's not my role. Go talk to Barry. <laughs> that's not my role. Go get a therapist, right? Like that's not always what they're ready for or what they want. And so how can we as just members of a church or a Christian community better 
prepare ourselves to mm-hmm. enter into that. So I think one aspect would be, like you mentioned, therapist. And I think that there are many times and situations where we can walk a person through what they've experienced. But then if you start mm-hmm. to notice the aspects of trauma that are greatly impacting their life as far as like, so with the trauma, they, they don't have the physical, mental, psychological resources to care for themselves. Like, so they are, you know, going to extreme coping mechanisms or disassociating or doing these different things in order to, to basically manage, Mm -hmm. uh, to manage themselves, to numb themselves, to not feel, you know, whenever you start to see those things, like we are not professionally trained to walk people through trauma. And so I think that we need to be honest with people and not as a, as a detrimental thing, like, oh my gosh, you need to go see a therapist. (laughs) But Hey, I really think that, you know, as we can talk through this and we can continue to meet and work through these things spiritually and in friendship, it would be good to talk to a professional who is a professional with guiding people through trauma, specifically like psychoanalytic counseling to where they will take a long time and a long process to work people through things that they've experienced, any kind of trauma. I think it's important for us as people who are talking with folks through issues to realize that we need to talk to people too. Mm-hmm. And so some sometimes that just may be a trusted friend or if you're on a church staff, somebody else on staff or one of the other pastors on staff or a deacon or, you know, it's like a safe place that you can confide and, and talk about how you feel. But I think it's important that if if you are feeling overwhelmed with these things and you're waking up at night continually thinking about these things and you're having a hard time coping to go get a therapist as well to have somebody professionally work with you because walking alongside of people and helping be a container for their emotions like whenever they're giving these things out we are we are helping them carry these burdens Mm -hmm. along with them and that is really really hard and it's taxing it's good, mm-hmm. but it's hard. Yeah. And just as we have the spirit with us as believers and just as we have a community, you know, sometimes we need, we need professional help too. So I think mm-hmm. that having the, the willingness to get a therapist, having people to talk with, having good rhythms set up in your life, good ways to kind of keep yourself based. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's after having one of those conversations. Like sometimes if I've driven to a meeting, instead of having something on in the car, I will just drive in silence mm-hmm. and just breathe and pray. But usually I'm just quiet for a while just because I'm kind of, a lot of times I'll feel overwhelmed. I struggle with anxiety a ton. And so I'll hear something or somebody will say something and it strikes anxiety in me. And so my desire is to want to like fix it and do something and make mm-hmm. something happen and knowing that I can't always fix it. I can't always do it. I can't always make something happen that sometimes I just have to sit there and, and go, all right, father, like walk with me in this, Mm -hmm. be with me in this or remind myself of the truth that Christ is with those people and has been with those people, um, in the pain of what they've experienced, because sometimes I will hurt for them and just feel like, man, I've heard stories from people of church hurt that I'm going, I don't know how I would feel about the church mm-hmm. if I had experienced the things that they'd experienced. Yeah. And then here they are coming to me as a pastor, somebody else they're seeking to trust. It is, it's so hard, mm. so hard. I really <clears throat> appreciate your posture in this. And I was thinking as you were talking, like for the, for our listeners and for the average person, this is, this can be, if you're a Christian person, leader who 
really cares about the, I don't know, for lack of a better word, reputation of the church and cares about people and want, and wants them to be part of a church community, but recognizes this is a huge barrier. And mm-hmm. I think it's easy to feel like at a loss, like what in the world do I do? But I just, as you were talking through that, I thought, man, it is really helpful to know that just being present and just doing what you can to, to sit with people in it is a really great first step. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. not taking on the responsibility of trying to protect or defend the reputation of the church or like, well, our church isn't like that or, you know, just, I feel like there's a tendency right. to do that and that can really weigh on you. But I appreciate that at, through our conversation, really what you've shared is just show up and yeah. be your authentic mm-hmm. self and be honest. Be honest. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. There's people that have talked to me about things that they've experienced at other churches and so as a pastor of a church who would love to see more people at it, I could go, well, hey, you may have experienced that there, but you can come to our church and, mm-hmm. you know, we don't do things like that or mm-hmm. we don't say things like that. And where I really feel like we we seek to be a safe place. I've talked to other people about, sometimes I feel like we're like a little hospital for mm-hmm. folks who have experienced church hurt that mm-hmm. come here and heal up. Yeah. Uh, and we just tell them, hey, you come here, heal up. We're not going to ask you to do anything and to, Mm -hmm. to take part, like you just rest Mm -hmm. for a while. And we've had people do that for one to two years, Mm -hmm. um, before like stepping in or sometimes going somewhere else Mm -hmm. and, and like knowing that that's okay. That's a part of our ministry. But if you, if you use the hurt that somebody has experienced at another church as a way to get them to your church, Mm -hmm. you're putting your church up on a pedestal. And then when they experience hurt at your church, because Somebody will frustrate yeah. them. Yeah. Somebody will hurt them. Somebody will forget their birthday or yeah. <laughs> something. They're going to get frustrated. And when those things compound, and I don't mean to say like the birthday thing is like a, as like a lessening of like, that's probably not going to be a traumatic event that somebody mm-hmm. experienced, but a continual forgetting, a continual yeah. overlooking, a continual, you know, continual issues that people mm-hmm. face. It's, it's, we shouldn't be the ones saying that is traumatic and that's not traumatic yeah, to what they've experienced. Yeah. No. Well, you don't know no. what their, their childhood was like and, or what other experiences. Everybody's different. Had, yeah. Everybody handles things differently. And so like what their experience of trauma is like, we need to honor that mm-hmm. and seek to come alongside of them mm-hmm. in that. But yeah, by using trauma as a way to build your church is a really horrendous mm-hmm. way to seek to mm-hmm. get people to your church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I really appreciate that like phrasing it that way too and calling that exactly what it is that it'd be evil on yeah i mean and 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 prideful and not not of god um so i i do appreciate you like spelling it out that way and and just calling it what it is i'm curious and we didn't ask this in the notes so i'm so sorry i'm curious though are there easy go-to truths to, because sometimes we're called to just sit and listen, right? And create the space. And then there are other times where we need to speak truth to someone who is potentially hurting. Are there specific things that you would suggest? I mean, obviously like not as like a blanket black and white, like if this, then this, I'm using discernment and the spirit's guidance, but things to, to remind people that have experienced her uh, other than necessarily, I mean, which at basic is a, is a good truth to remember that God is with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, are there other things and I'm thinking kind of in, in my, where my head, my thought is going is kind of like that, like Jesus loved the church, right? But like not using that again as a weapon to, to bring people into the church. But is there, are there truths to help people see that the church is designed to be good 
it's designed to be something that we should love even when they've experienced hurt. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that just specifically while you were talking about that, like acts two in the early church and man, like it was like four chap three or four chapters later where they had like all, they're all fighting about food distribution (laughs) and people not getting this or that. So it didn't last an entirely (laughs) long time, but the community that they had, everybody had all things in common. Mm -hmm. Everybody was being ministered to. Everybody was being cared for. I think that is an ideal that we can strive for that we will never achieve, but that, you know, God has designed and and constructed us for community. Mm -hmm. You see that in the garden. It was not good that man was alone and that was before sin ever entered the picture. So even in a perfect state, we're built for community. We're, We're built for other people. I think that we can encourage people into that community and into the redeemed community of the church because these are people who are in, who follow Jesus, who are indwelled by his Holy Spirit, who have a common set of beliefs and things that guide their lives through scripture that can be a good help to them and that they can be a good help to others. Mm-hmm. So it's not all about, I mean, people who have experienced church hurt that eventually, you know, not, not overcome that, but heal to the point of being able to walk alongside of others who've mm-hmm. experienced church hurt is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And they can walk through them, or walk through those situations with them in ways that are better and deeper than ways that people who've not experienced mm-hmm. that particular yeah. kind of church hurt. Mm-hmm. And so I think talking some about what the ideal of what the church is supposed to be and being honest about the ways the church misses the mark Mm -hmm. oftentimes but that that communal aspect is of great importance Mm -hmm. all of that other times in in things to to talk about with folks and you talked about the presence of god but so i will point to that but then there's an entire section of the bible that is usually not addressed much because oftentimes we have we make things so happy or things are supposed to pick you up But there's a ton of, like, there's a book in the Bible called Lamentations, and there are Psalms of Lament, and Lament is just this frustrated, angry, confused, hurt, cry in faith to God. Mm. And, like, it makes up a ton of the Psalms, and the Psalms were, like, the songbook for, like, the Jewish people, Mm. and in the early church, and some of the churches still use that. And so I think showing people that it is okay to feel like this mm-hmm. and that like God included it in scripture. Yeah. Like people saying, where are you at? And I feel like I'm drowning yeah. and people being able to understand and correlate that with their, their experience and going, wow, somebody that many thousands of years ago felt the exact same way. God honored that by including that mm-hmm. in his word. Mm-hmm. And like all those Psalms don't end well. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes they end really bad and being like, all right, no matter the experience, God is present with them. God can sit with them and God makes a space for them. Mm -hmm. And so you can have that space as well. So the Psalms of Lament, there's another book called Every Moment Holy. And there's, it's ways to like pray through your day and pray through situations. There's one called volume two of that is like death and hurting and Mm -hmm. grief. And that's another good resource that sometimes I'll point people to as a collection of prayers the church has created Mm -hmm. in order to help them through that. So and where often do you hear these things? You hear these things in, in the gatherings, mm-hmm. in 
you know, being shared from the pulpit or being shared through worship and liturgy on a Sunday morning. And that communal aspect of singing on a Mm -hmm. Sunday morning, singing out those truths. And even when you can't utter the words that are being sung, hearing those around you sing those things Mm -hmm. is another important way, reason that that community in the church is is important. Mm -hmm. I love that. Thank you for sharing those resources. I think it's helpful just to have some starting places for people that are curious and maybe want to learn more or know someone who, you know, has experienced church hurt, maybe is avoiding being around the church. Like what's a way to easily start a conversation or a resource to send their way? Because like you were saying, when you were talking about the Psalms, like that some of the Psalms do in that way, but thinking about like David, like that wasn't the end of his faith. It just didn't go into despair forever. There's repair and there's, you know, there's a, there's something on the other side. And so there is always hope for repair and restoration Mm -hmm. when it comes to Jesus, because, you know, that ultimately is what he's after. Mm -hmm. Uh, The church being of a broken place isn't the end. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's always hope and there's always, always room for restoration. Mm -hmm which is, I think, beautiful and hopeful. Yeah, there's a book by Dan Allender called Leading with a Limp, and it's about <laughs> leaders who just have, have struggled and to realize that none of us are perfect. And it mm-hmm. talked about a, a Jewish rabbi who, who walked with a limp, and his students that followed him literally patterned after the way that he walked, and so they all walked with a limp as well. So it's kind of a funny story. <laughs> yeah. But to know that that none of us are going to come through life unscathed. Yeah. Some of us are limping. Some of us are dragging ourselves. Mm-hmm. Some of us are crawling. And to know that the people around us are probably doing mm-hmm. the same, same. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's important to just to just know that none of us are perfect. That's another good resource maybe for a leader to, to read through that yeah, can be yeah. encouraging to them. And I think for people who aren't necessarily in leadership or church leadership, just knowing we can have grace with our leaders Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we can pray for them (laughs) and that we're all, we're all the same. We're all the same. And some of us are called to leadership positions and some aren't or are called in different ways to lead, but we're all, we're all striving for the same thing. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, as we were talking about leaders and, you know, talking about how, how they struggle, a lot of leaders struggle to share what they have went through, struggle to share their trauma or the things that may not be traumatic, but like the sins in their life that mm-hmm. they struggle with yeah. because of shame. Mm-hmm. And so when we feel shame or we feel guilt, our immediate thing is to hide. Mm-hmm. And as we hide those things, there can't be healing. And as we hide those things, like we're not allowing others to come around us and minister to. Mm -hmm. And like leaders need to be ministered to just as those who they're ministering to need to be ministered Mm -hmm. to. And so, you know, I know what you guys do with mentoring and with what other nonprofits do, what we do in the church is like, I met with a lady two days ago who has been through like more trauma than I probably, maybe the most I've ever heard of any one person in my entire Mm -hmm. life. And we talked for the first probably 45 minutes to an hour. And the last 30 minutes, she spent asking me about myself, Mm. about the things that I struggle with, about the things that I'm going through. And then finished up, I prayed for her. And that's usually how I finish, like I talked Mm -hmm. to you guys. And then she was just asked, can I pray for you? Mm -hmm. She prayed for me for like 
five minutes and like I'm sitting there trying not to cry because like here's this lady who's been through so much and in comparison like I don't feel like I've been through nearly as much Mm -hmm. but like she recognized things that I've been through and Mm -hmm. that's humbling it's humbling so so to kind of push the shame and the guilt aside knowing that as Christians that is not that is something we should not have to deal with because Mm -hmm. Christ has dealt with those things Mm -hmm. knowing that we're in him so that leaders can be open and vulnerable, leaders can be ministered to, that like no matter who it is, no matter who you are, no matter if you are a a you know, a survivor or a person who is been still going through church hurt, who's in the midst of it, like God can still use you to mm-hmm. to serve other people and to help other people. Yeah. So don't allow shame to to hinder you and what God's calling you and leading you to do. That's so beautiful. I just was thinking of the word mutuality when you were talking. Yeah. Like yeah. it's mutual. And and I feel like it goes all the way to the beginning of our conversation about the posture the church has held. And you were saying trying to cover up and be perfect and, and put a certain persona forward like we've got it all together. And mm. that's false because no one does. Right. And so when we allow ourselves to be ministered to and be, mm-hmm. you know, that also blesses that I'm sure the woman that you met with was so blessed by the opportunity to pray over you. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that blessed her just as much, you know, so it wasn't all about her and what's going on with her. She was able to minister to somebody else. And there's a mutuality that probably strengthened your relationship. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that's a, a lesson for the church too. And just how we view leaders and how we perceive ourselves as we if we are leading so that we don't have to have it together and we can allow for mutuality and connection which is what we were built for Mm -hmm. yeah that's really beautiful well thank you for diving into this really difficult topic today i think but it's so important and we're all as christians dealing with it in some type of way if we're part of a church community which i hope we are if you're not please try to connect with one Mm -hmm. um but I just am grateful that you're willing to, to wade through this with us. And I hope it's been helpful for the people that have listened. And and if you're listening and you have questions or if you're like, the church has hurt me and mm-hmm. I don't know what to do next, reach out to us. We would love yeah. to talk to you, get you connected with someone and maybe start, you know, start those conversations about really who God is and what truth really is and what the church can be. Yep. And so I just thank you for your time today. Yeah, and thank you all. We'll try to thank some you. of the resources that you mentioned in the show notes too. Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe even link, you know, your church or your contact information if someone wants to reach out okay. and get connected yeah, to that'd the be community. Fine. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thank you for joining us for the Everyday Advocate podcast. We hope you left inspired to make a difference in your community wherever you are today. Be sure to check out our show notes for any resources that we mentioned today. We release a new episode every Friday, so subscribe wherever you're listening from so you don't miss out. Feel free to give us a rating and share your favorite episodes with your friends to help inspire them to be everyday advocates too. We'd also love to hear from you. You can email us at Everyday Advocate at allies-inc.org and follow us on Instagram at the underscore everyday underscore advocate.